Lord Jesus and Heavenly Father, we thank you oh so much for the many, many blessings you've already poured upon us this day. It's such an awesome opportunity you now provide us with to be able to get into your word. Help us now as we do that, as we pray in Jesus' precious holy name. Amen. Continuing our Bible study of me to Z in the word healing, if you would turn to 1 Corinthians in chapter 15. And we see the ultimate healing that we're all looking forward to, and it is receiving our glorified bodies as it speaks of here in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, picking it up in verse 15. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doeth corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed. In a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. And that's awesome. That quickly, in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, we are going to be transformed. We're going to be converted from this physical body into an eternal body, a body that does not corrupt meaning will not rot or decay, a body that will be like Jesus, a body that will be able to have and use as we roll over into the millennial period to interact with those on the planet while a thousand years rule in the reign of Jesus Christ. Let's look back at some more of these details here. It says, Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Speaking of this mortal body that we currently have, neither doeth corruption inherit incorruption. Something that would rot and decay away is not going to be eternal. It says we shall not all sleep, means be dead in Christ, but we shall be changed. We are going to be transformed from getting that glorified body in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. At the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible. The dead, those that have already passed away, and even those that are coming back with him at this moment and receiving their glorified bodies, and we shall be changed, for this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, then this mortal shall have put on immortality. Then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. And of course that victory is through the finished work of Jesus Christ. And let's look at another verse that pertains to this very thing, which we recognize and know as the rapture over in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Picking it up in verse 13, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep. These that are asleep, the ones you mentioned earlier, that are asleep in Christ, that, was, that have passed away, that have physically died, 
I'll never die spiritually, but physically have died. And as it continues, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. And this is that moment that it was speaking of over in 1 Corinthians. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. The dead in Christ will receive their glorified body first, and then the rest that are on the earth at that time that are born-again Christians will then receive their body glorified body. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. And they are very comforting words to know that at that moment, at that moment of what we recognize as the rapture, because rapture means to be caught up, gathered up, the gathering, to reuniting with the Lord, to be with the Lord forever, never to be separated from Him ever again. And this event is what He's talking about and how quickly it's going to happen in a moment, in a twinkle of an eye. It's going to be instantaneous. In a twinkle of an eye, it's faster than you can blink. And... To be given this by grace, because definitely we didn't deserve it, and be able to be with the Lord forever. Because once we're united with Him, we're never going to be separated from Him again. No more death. And a glorified body. And like we've said, we'd, we don't have a lot of information about how we will be in eternity but this glorified body here will have to be a kind of a body that we can interact with others during the thousand years of the ruling and reign of Jesus Christ known as the millennial period. And that body will be used to interact with them. So exactly what it's going to be like, we're not sure. But we know that we are going to be like the Lord. Because he tells us over in 1 John chapter 3, where it says, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. So we're going to see Jesus as he is and be like Jesus. Now, does that mean we're going to permanently be in that state that we receive when we receive that glorified body and utilize that during the millennial period? When we roll over into the eternal state, will we have that same kind of a physical existence? Or will it be even a better one? We don't know. We know that we are going to be like Jesus Christ. So whatever manner of being that Jesus Christ 
chooses to be in, whatever form he chooses to be in, he's going to allow us to be in that same kind of a form for eternity. For the thousand years of ruling and reigning with him here on this planet when he restores all things after the tribulation time and so forth, we're going to have a particular body. And then when we're going to be with him for eternity, we're going to be like him. But like I said, we're not given a lot of details on exactly what that is going to be like. Just that he says this clearly, Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. We don't see it. We don't know it. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. That's what it says right here. And that's what we can depend on, that we will be like Jesus Christ, the ultimate authority, the one that spoke everything into existence, however, whatever, whenever, wherever, we will be with him and we will be like him. And that is awesome. That is something really to rejoice in and to be looking forward to, that the Lord is going to allow us to be like him. That is so awesome. All right, now turn back over to Philippians and we get back into this subject of healing and see an incident here where Paul was dealing with church at Philippi. And Paul wasn't in the area of Philippi at this time, but he was with Timotheus, or otherwise known as Timothy, and with... if. Ephroditus, these two individuals. Let's pick it up here in Philippians chapter 2, this verse 14. Speaking of Paul to the church at Philippi, Do all things without murmurings and disputings, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world." holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. Yea, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice of service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. For the same cause also do ye joy and rejoice with me. But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timotheus shortly unto you, that I also may be of good comfort, when I know your state. For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. For all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ's. But ye know the proof of him that as a son with the Father he hath served with me in the gospel. Here he's speaking of Timothy. Him therefore I hope to send presently, so soon as I shall See how it will go with me. But I trust the Lord that I also myself shall come shortly. Yet I supposed it necessary to send to you Ephroditus, my brother and companion in labor and fellow soldier, but your messenger, and he that ministered to you my wants. Now this Ephroditus had been sent from the church at Philippi to give assistance to Paul in the work of the ministry. 
is what he's speaking of here where it says your messenger. For he longed after you all and was full of heaviness because that ye had heard that he had been sick. For indeed he was sick, nigh unto death. But God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. See here, he's speaking of Ephroditus doing work for the Lord, helping out Paul in the ministry, and falling sick. So sick that it was sick nigh unto death, it says. Nearly killed him. But, as it says, the Lord had mercy on him, and he was healed. He recovered from that. And Paul, he said, would have been in great sorrow if he had passed away while helping him out. Let's read 26, 27 again. For he longed after you all and was full of heaviness because that ye had heard that he had been sick. For indeed he was sick, nigh unto death. But God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I sent him therefore the more carefully, that when ye see him again, ye may rejoice, and that I may be the less sorrowful. Receive him therefore in the Lord with all gladness, and hold such reputation. Because for, for the work of Christ he was nigh unto death, not regarding his life, to supply your lack of service toward me. Now, where it's talking about their lack of service toward him is speaking of they couldn't all come to help him, so they sent Ephroditus to help Paul. And in his efforts to help Paul, somewhere along the line, he fell sick. May have caught some kind of a virus or something that was going around in his journey or while with Paul, and it nearly killed him. But the Lord had mercy on him, healed him from that, so we see how even in the work of the Lord, when you're really busy doing the work of the Lord, you can still come down with some ailments now and then. And the Lord can have mercy and heal you. Alrighty, let's look at James in chapter 5. Here we see some guidelines concerning dealing with those that are sick. In James chapter 5, Pick it up verse 13. Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church, and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up, and if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another, and pray one for another, that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Prayer for each other. Prayers from a righteous person. Availeth much. It means counts for a lot. Very beneficial. And we see this anointing of the oil. We do that 
and we use frankincense and myrrh oil and it's just all symbolic the oil itself doesn't do anything other than represent and it represents the oil known as the Holy Ghost being known as oil and the anointing or the acknowledgement and symbolic application of the power of the Holy Ghost upon someone. So when you're praying for them and you're touching them and you're touching them with that oil on your fingertip, touch to the forehead is typically what we do, that that is symbolic of presentation and application and acknowledgement of the power of the Holy Ghost to be able to heal someone to heal someone spiritually and physically, whatever the ailment may be. Because you go back over there to chapter 5 and verse 13, where it says, Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Afflicted. Afflicted in what manner? Is it afflicted in a physical manner or even in a spiritual manner? In a psychological problem or in a sinful problem or whatever it may be? be whatever kind of affliction you pray about it if any of you sick if you're physically sick or spiritually sick even go through the process of acknowledging that the holy ghost is in you and has the power to be able to cleanse you and to heal you physically and spiritually acknowledging that that's what the process is. The whole laying on the hands and the anointing of the oil and the prayers. It all is acknowledging our faith and trust and our desire for one to be healed by the power of God. Not of the oil, not of the touching of the hands, not even of, of the people that are involved in it, but of the power of the Holy Ghost. But he also points out the power of prayer of someone who is a righteous person. In verse 16, Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Now, the Catholic Church has taken this to the point where they have the little guys in a booth back there and you pray through a screen to some guy in a booth and then they tell you to count your rosary beads or say something to Mary or whatever. That I don't know where they come up with that stuff, but it's not from the Word of God. But the confessing your faults one to another is if you've, if you've turned against someone, if you've done something against someone, if you said something against someone, if you have an argument, if you have some kind of a division with someone, Make peace. Get that right. Apologize. Get your life right. And that will benefit both of you. And it will help your healing process. In that manner, it is the spiritual healing that you need. Because when you have a disagreement with someone, when you have an argument with someone, when you have a division that is a weight upon you, that is a burden upon you just as being physically sick and it can actually lead to physical sickness so you need to make peace when you have a fault with a, a brother or sister in christ that's who he's specifically talking about here 
not the world and the ungodly out there, but to the Christians, they need to get along. When there is a division, when there is an argument, when there is some kind of grief between two Christians, it needs to be settled. They need to bring it together. They need to talk about it and work it out and ask the Lord for understanding and wisdom and guidance and to get it taken care of. Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that ye may be healed. Now that relationship to be healed so that you can have peace, so that you can have harmony, so that you can enjoy each other's presence. That's what he's speaking of there. So you're covering several things here. Let's back it up again and look at him. Start in verse 13. Is any among you afflicted? Afflicted is like throwing a blanket over it. Afflicted in whatever manner it is, whether it be physical or whether it be spiritual, or whether it be psychological or financial or whatever, afflicted in whatever ailment there is, what does he say? Let him pray. Pray about it. It's always telling us to pray. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. Rejoice when things are going great. Is any sick among you? Now the sick here is focusing primarily upon physical sickness, but can also involve a spiritual sickness. And then he goes on over into the the faults of a disagreement with someone where it says, Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that ye may be healed. In the relationship healing. So you've got the blanket of afflicted. That means anything and everything. You've got physical problems. You've got emotional problems. You've got relationship problems. Whatever it may be. Any and all of it. Need to be taken to the Lord and prayed about. And you can also go through this process. Of the symbolic process of the anointing of the oil. Back in verse 14 again, is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick. And the Lord shall raise him up. And if any have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. See, that branches it on out into the spiritual healing as well. Physical, spiritual, emotional psychological, whatever it is, it's all covered. Take it to the Lord, pray about it, get some assistance and ask the elders to pray over you, anointing the oil, and it even magnifies it that much more because going through that process shows your faith and trust in the power of the Lord and the indwelling Spirit of the Holy Ghost to be able to take care of whatever is going on. Whether it's a small problem or a big problem, the Lord can take care of it. All right, now let's look at one of the most wondrous sections about our future and what we have looked forward to in our bodies in Revelation chapter 21, the physical condition that we will be in when we're with the Lord. In Revelation chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, 
prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. We will be the family of God for eternity, and we will have a glorified body that was described earlier. And as he points out here, that there will be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain. So, a immortal body that will not suffer pain. An immortal body that will never be separated again from the Lord or from our glorified body. And no more sorrow. We won't be sorrowing and crying. None of that. And that is awesome. That is awesome that we have that to look forward to. And it is truly by grace. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. Sons and daughters, and his family member. And we will be with him for eternity. And we will be like him, however he chooses to be. We will be like him for eternity. And we will be in this glorified body that will be like his. So much to look forward to. It's so awesome. And also he describes what heaven is going to be like, what the new Jerusalem is going to be like, the beautiful city and the rest of 21 and 22 he describes, the 1,500-mile cube city with 12 gates of, of pearl that be able to go in and the streets of gold. And then in chapter 22, verse 1, he describes some more of it. It reads, And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb, in the midst of the street of it. And on either side of the river was there the tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruits, and yielded her fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. No more curse the new creation, the new earth with the new Jerusalem. And this tree, it sounds like there may be trees lining the river, or else it may be like a banyan tree, which stretches out and could be on both sides of the river and still part of the same tree. Because it says, in the midst of the street of it, and on either side of the river, means on both sides of the river, was there the tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruits, and yielded her fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. It says tree, singular, but is it plural? 
or is it one that is all linked together in the root system that goes up underneath the river from both sides and coming up? We don't know. However the Lord wants it, it's going to be great. Way beyond what we could imagine what we would set up, that's for sure. And that is symbolic as well. It symbolizes the power of the healing that flows from the throne of God and out to all of those on the new earth. Out into the earth, because it will flow out of that city and right on into the rest of the earth and giving all of that power of God and mercy and grace all over the whole brand new earth and that healing affecting the entire planet because he points out specifically and there shall be no more curse no more curse wondrous things flowing from God keeping everything in its perfection for eternity and we will be looking forward to that that's for sure that glorified body and a body that will not ever decay and a big, beautiful, brand new earth that will not rot and decay away either. And all that healing coming straight from the throne of God unto all the new creation. So much to look forward to. It is so awesome. Let's pray. Lord Jesus and Heavenly Father, we thank you oh so much for the time you've given us to be able to get into your word. It's so beneficial to us when we really take the time to dig into there and find these inspiring scriptures that motivate us and inspire us to get on out there and do what you have available for us to do. And we truly thank you for allowing us to be a part of your work. Help all of us take what we have learned and share with others out there. When we see someone ailing, let us have the boldness to step up and tell them that you know someone that can take care of that ailment, whatever kind of problem it might be. Just turn to the Lord. We thank you all so much for that. So we pray in Jesus' precious holy name. Amen. Thank you all.